True love is like a fountain that's flowing within you. It's always flowing, it never stops, and it's not dependent on someone else. Almost like the sun is always radiating its light. It doesn't choose who to radiate its light to. The first thing I'd like to talk about is a pretty starting pretty broad um, with a sort of ontological question. What is love? Is love an emotion? Is love something that be, goes beyond emotions and permeates the universe? What is love? You've gone right into one of the deepest questions and one of the most profound concepts in all spiritual wisdom. There is the love that most human beings know of, which is always dependent on another. You have to love your friends, your family. We have love for our pets. We love our hobbies, our interests. And sometimes even with that same mentality, we are told that the highest love is to love yourself. Almost as though yourself is something else that is also worthy of your love. But then there is a far deeper version of love. In the tradition that I come from, which is the tradition of Guru Nanak, he says in one of his opening lines in the holy verses, as is captured in the scripture called the Guru Granth Sahib, which is his writings, he says that the universe speaks in love. That the very language of the universe, the words he used, is Pakya Pao Apar, that infinite one speaks the language of love. And that kind of love isn't dependent on anything else. And so the way you want to think about love is that true love is like a fountain that's flowing within you. It's always flowing, it never stops, and it's not dependent on someone else. Almost like the sun is always radiating its light. It doesn't choose who to radiate its light to. And in the same way, if we become a fountain of love, then whoever comes to cross our paths, they will receive that love, not because we have chosen to provide love to that person, because love is that innate nature within us. And in the same way, an easier way to understand a concept like that is the universe is always giving. I'm very fortunate that in my back garden, I have some apple trees, and I'm always so wonderstruck by how abundant the universe is. We do nothing for that tree. We don't even water it. The rain naturally waters it. And every year it gives thousands upon thousands of, of fruit. And we're always so amazed that we can't consume that much which it is giving. So its nature is to just continually give. The sun is always shining. The seasons are always providing for us in different ways. The air is always giving us the perfect oxygen that we need. So the universe is, is giving us an example of what love is really like. And we need to be able to listen to that love 
and then see if that is something that is true of us. Because if we are part of the universe, then we are also at our core level, we are that love as well. So that's how I understand love. That's something that's not dependent on another person. Wow, that's beautiful. Thank you. I understand what you mean about the universe sort of embodying being that love and, and us as part of the universe being that love as well. It's a beautiful thing. Um, one of the the sort of ways that we're approaching the love issue is is starting from that and then finding the ways that it also manifests um, in, in our daily lives uh, to make it more practical and applicable for people to be able to take into their lives. And, and I, the way I see that is kind of like, you know, the, the one and the many, uh, if you use the, the Tao Te Ching's analogy, it's the, the one becomes kind of the 10,000 things. How amazing would your life be if you could stop feeling stressed all the time? Stop losing your temper and feeling disappointed every time things don't go your way. Well, you can overcome these things and I'm going to show you how. Our remarkable free course called Awaken the Guru Within gives you all the tools to deal with everyday challenges that you can start using immediately. I know how much this wisdom has transformed my life and now I'm going to share it with you. Download Awaken the Guru Within for free from our website, livingwithwisdom.org. One of the things that you just mentioned that I think is, is different from some of the other people that we've been talking to. So we, when we talk about love, a lot of people talk about it in relation to other people, like you said, like in relation to a, a partner or a child or something like that. Um, love toward the flow of life, love toward life, you know, itself, the experience of life. That is something that I find to be really interesting. And it's something that I've been thinking about, you know, like uh, I, I have this mantra that I use for myself that I thought of at some point, um, at some point in my, my own journey of um, love everyone, love everything and love every moment. And uh, that when you talk about love toward the flow of life, that really reminds me of, of that kind of idea. So um, I, I was talking to Sarnjeet from your organization, and she said that there was a word for that in, in the Sikh culture, um, the tradition, that's called va, uh, that generally translates to wow. Um, and uh, can, you, can you talk a little bit about that and, and what that's about in, in the Sikh traditions? Yeah, I, the, the, the core fundamental spiritual tradition within the Sikhs is to remove the sense of separation from yourself to the rest of the universe. And most of us don't experience life in that way. The way we experience life is although as almost that we are this self-enclosed being within our body and everything outside of our body is something separate something that is distant. And it is that sense of separation from others, from everything else, from life, that then creates a state of inner conflict. You talked about accepting the flow of life. And that's probably the hardest thing for you and I and ordinary folk to really embody in their lives because when we look at everything and everyone around us, 
most things don't correlate to how we want them in our heads. So I'm a parent. Most of the time, my struggles come when I'm just trying to get my children to do something that I want them to do. So a conflict happens within my mind. There's an idea of what I want to happen. And then there's the reality of life itself. The same with my partner, the same with colleagues at work, the same with any circumstances, right down to what the weather is like today or how much traffic there is on the roads. There's always this sense of conflict. That moment when you become at peace with the chaos of life and you don't have that inner sense of conflict, which is that I want to change life. I want, to, I want life to be different. It's almost one of the most egotistical things that you can do, which is you, this tiny little person that you call me, you have an idea of how the universe should be. We want the entire universe to work according to our small mind. And that's where conflict comes from. And the moment that you realize how foolish your mental desires are, you can begin to then drop those desires. And as soon as you drop them, you're left with this state of, of wonderment, which is, wow. I'm not saying that the universe is doing everything that I want it to do, but wow, what is this thing called life? When you wake up in the morning, I know the first thing that happens to me is my mind just starts going in this crazy cycle of thoughts. And I start thinking about dropping my kids to school and things that I need to do at work and meetings and interviews that I need to do and things that aren't quite happening and my future plans and I've got financial constraints and I've got this and that and I've got work that I want to get done in the house and all these things are floating around in my mind and all of these are a state of conflict because you're listing the things that you want changed in the world. And the moment of realization that comes where you say, actually, what if I just accepted the flow of life? What if I took a step back and just realized life is going to do what life is going to do? In fact, this is how it's always worked. Life has always flowed the way it needs to. It's never asked my permission for anything. The universe doesn't seek my blessings. The universe is always going to do what it's going to do. It's like me having a desire of what the weather is going to be tomorrow. The weather is going to be whatever it's going to be. There's nothing I can do to change it. And imagine waking up every morning and looking out of your window and being frustrated with the weather. That's kind of what we're doing with the universe. And when you take a step back and you realize there's nothing I can do about this. A phrase that I love is, I can't change the world, but my response is my responsibility. So I change my mentality that I'm only here to control what's going on in here. I can't control what's going on outside. And that flow of life, when you realize that you yourself are part of that flow of life, you can just let go. I take I the, the analogy of, you sometimes see these nature documentaries of this, the fish that's kind of jumping out of the water and trying to flow against the stream. And the moment, that's kind of how we are with life. And the moment it just decides to let go, it just flows with the river. And that's what we need to do. And when you're in that state of acceptance and non-conflict with the universe, that's when you end up with this 
undeniable experience of just wow, life is beautiful. Va, wow, yeah, va. I, I love that word. It's just um, it, it's it it captures that emotion, you know, that feeling. Um, so uh, and and I think there was also a word va vahe guru, uh, something like that. Uh, that's that's uh, the concept in in Sikh traditions of the the guru that kind of gives you that feeling of va. Is is that um. Is that sort of like the idea of what a guru is supposed to do in, in Sikh traditions? Absolutely. The, the guru is not restricted to the Sikhs. The guru is essentially the highest wisdom of the universe. So the wisdom is the guru, not the individual. So we don't bow down to a person. We bow down to the wisdom. And that wisdom has been around since the beginning of time. And when your mind is in alignment with that wisdom, we call that guru. Guru meaning, the word guru literally means darkness to light. So when you are transforming your mind from your own darkness, which is that everyday mind that we have, I like to call it the ego mind that we all have, that we all run around with, when that ego mind is let go of and you have this awakened mind which can see clearly how wonderful the universe is, that is that transformation is called darkness to light, guru. So that wow is dependent on that transformation. That guru has to happen first. That transformation has to happen. And we have to receive that wisdom from a higher truth. Once we receive that wisdom and we transform our thinking, that guru is a process which leads us to the state that ultimately leaves us wonderstruck saying, wow, I can't believe that this beauty was right in front of me all this time. Mm, wow. And um, from what you were saying a moment ago, it sounds like the the uh, acceptance and accepting the divine flow of life um, is sort of the the way to en enact that change that that guru that movement from darkness to light is is that about right? There was this word called hukam uh, that uh, I, I know is from the Sikh traditions. Is that um, would you say that's the path to um, having that transformation? Yes, acceptance is seen as the fundamental path because it doesn't require you to learn any spiritual words. It doesn't require you to dress a particular way or to learn various yogic postures. It's simply becoming in alignment with the universe. And that's what that word hookah means. Hookah means the divine order, the natural flow of life, the natural way of life. And when you are in alignment with the natural flow of life. That's the process. That's, and, and, and most of us are not. Most of us are in conflict with life. Yeah. So um, this leads me into um, with this talking about the acceptance. Um, we're sort of accepting the flow of life and the way that the universe is. Um, and there's another kind of acceptance that we talk about in our um, the, the current, the upcoming love issue um, that is related, but maybe it's more people-oriented, um, that sort of accepting all people uh, as they are. And I know that um, in the Sikh traditions, there is a very strong tradition of being, uh, of accepting all faiths and all traditions and all techniques and all paths, and that, the, uh, and that there are many paths to love and the universe and God and grace and um, and the, there's there's even it even goes so far as to have this idea that 
um, if, if you see another person's path uh, as inferior to your own, that that's seen as a sign of ignorance. Um, so could you speak to that? Is that something that is, is important in the Sikh traditions? There's a beautiful line in the tradition that says, Ved kateb kaho mat chute chuta jo na bichare. And that means that do not call other scriptures and other traditions wrong. Wrong is the person who doesn't contemplate their meaning. So it's not another tradition that's wrong. It's you for not having understood the beauty of that. And in one way, we can look at it that there are many paths to connect to this truth. But actually, the Sikh way of looking at it is there's only one way to connect to that truth. And that ultimate way is that we are all trying to reconnect, to reunite. We have to remove that sense of separation that I am me and the universe is something different to me. That's ultimately the only thing that you're doing. Now, once you're on the path of removing that sense of I, how you do it is now up to you. Which scriptures you use in order to take that wisdom, which practices, which spiritual clothes you choose to wear or mantras you choose to use, those are all then secondary to that primary goal, which is everybody's spiritual goal, which is to reconnect. So yes, there are multiple paths, but ultimately there are multiple ways to all reach the same destination. And that's the way that that we look at it in the sense that there's no reason to then try and look down upon somebody else's path or their struggle. I mean, I, I like to think about it as if you ask 10 different people, what's the best way to lose weight? They're all going to give you 10 different answers. Now, ultimately, you're trying to do the same thing. But if you go to one person, they say, well, I go to the gym five times a week. And another one says, I never go to the gym. I always go for, for a run every day. The other one says, I never do any of those things. I just manage my diet. We could say that all of those are different paths, but ultimately all leading to the same goal. And ultimately, those things change for you. You all know in your own lives that at some point you're more motivated to go to the gym. At some point you don't have time to do that, so you manage your diet. For some people, they are really motivated to go running every day. And for other people, they say, hey, I tried that. I don't quite like that, but swimming works for me. So how can we judge somebody else based on their experience? There's no reason to judge someone else. Ultimately, you should support everyone who is on that same path. If you know that you're all trying to go to that same goal, then and everybody's trying to do it with 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 honesty, truthfulness, they're, they're, they're not trying to cheat anyone else out of it. They're not trying to fool someone into thinking that they're more spiritual. If, every, if somebody's on a genuine search, then it's your duty to support them, to be a part of that. And even if they do it in, in a completely different way. Wow. Uh, yeah, thank you. Wow. That's, that was amazing. Have you found that spiritual teachings are great to learn, but not always easy to apply to your own life? Sometimes we all need a bit of support and guidance from people who know what we're going through and can help us find some answers. The Nanak Nam Facebook group helps you do just that. It's an online community where you can ask any questions about life and get answers from other members of the group. Search for Nanak Nam Community Support and join our free Facebook group today. You just mentioned uh, this sort of idea of 
not judging others, you know, the acceptance of, of others and others' paths sort of comes from this non-judgmental place of people. And uh, I think that that's really the path toward love of all beings. You know, when we realize, like you said, that it's not just I that is separate from the universe, where nobody is separate from the universe, the universe is one. And we're all on this, as you said, this on this path of of love and and awakening to the oneness um, together. Um, it gives us this sense that we are not separate, we're one, and it allows us to stop judging others and criticizing others. Um, and I, I know that um, there's this word prem in, in, um, in the Sikh traditions that kind of is this like love that flows from non-judgment. Can you, can you tell me a little bit about that, about that, that idea? Judgment is only dependent on the ego. It is only the ego that judges. When we judge someone else, one of the most important things that the Sikh tradition teaches us never to do is to never judge, never criticize another person. Because remember what the journey is. The journey is I'm trying to let go of that sense of I am, self-importance, me, myself, and I. I'm trying to let go of that because I, I, I realize that that's the cause of my misery. When you judge someone else, what you're really saying is, thank goodness I'm not like that. Look at them. Look how they are. At least I'm not like that. So even though you're talking about another person, inadvertently you're creating this superiority complex within yourself and it's not to say that there aren't people who who are doing horrible things in the world we're not looking at the world through rose-tinted glasses we recognize that there is despair in the world we recognize that there is injustice in the world in fact the Sikhs are known for standing up against injustice but you're not doing it from a place of judgment you're doing it from a sense of love for all of those beings who are suffering. And the ones who are also causing the harm are also suffering. Anyone who is cruel, anyone who is who has evil intentions, ultimately, if you can look at them from a place of love, you can realize that they too are suffering. Something must have happened to them in their life that led them down this path. So ask yourself, can you find it within yourself to place no judgment on the other? It's almost as though you see yourself in them. You try and walk a mile in their shoes. You try and understand what are the circumstances that led that person to, to commit those things. How do, we, how do we look at others from a sense of compassion? And I think it's so important that compassion is at the root of everything that you do. Compassion towards yourself, compassion towards life, nature, and compassion towards others. If you can start to do that, then you remove this idea of judgment altogether. And there's never a need to look down on somebody else because you're aware that it's actually increasing your own sense of ego. So we're very aware not to do that within the Sikh tradition to try and look down on others. 
but look, hey, these, these things are, are are nice in theory, but they do come up all the time. You know, you, you only just have to be scrolling through your social media feeds and you come across videos where people are doing things and, and we laugh at them. We look at people and we say, wow, look how crazy that person is. I would never do anything like that. And so it's so easy for your mind to instantly judge. And it's not that your mind is never going to do that. You know, on a spiritual path, your mind is always going to do that because your mind is essentially the voice of the ego. You have to be able to then recognize that your mind has done that and then take a step back and realize, okay, that's a thought that I don't want to, I don't want to own that. I don't want to go down that path. I'm just going to let that thought be what it is and, and let it float away. So it's not that your mind is never going to have those egoic thoughts. It's just that we need to take more precautions to become aware of those thoughts. Yeah. Thank you. Um, and another sort of aspect of love that we are diving into and, and sort of beyond just sort of the, the broad love, the, going toward the acceptance and the non-judgment side of it is sort of looking at the culture, the whole culture of the civilization that we live in and the cultures that, that kind of have judgments toward each other and um, some cultures that have power uh, over others, like uh, dominating the other um, and making them less than. Um, and so there's sort of this idea of equality um, that has become very important in the last few hundred years in, in the Western world. Um, and one of the things that I found when I was doing some research on the Sikh tradition before our interview was that the Sikhs have always rejected the caste system, which was uh, dominant in, in, in India for a while, and um, promoting social and gender equality. And the idea behind all of that is that all souls are equal in the eyes of God. And the, um, the word, I think, is barabri. Am I pronouncing that right? Yeah, that's right. Barabri. So can you tell us a little bit about barabri and, and how that fits into the Sikh tradition? We can look at everyone else and we can put this false sense of equality in our mind, which is I'm not going to look down on anyone. I'm not going to speak ill of anyone. I'm going to treat everyone as equal. And when we do that, what we make the mistake of doing is thinking that equal means that everybody is the same. And there's a difference between the word equality and everyone being the same. Everyone being the same means that we have equal abilities, we have exactly the same thoughts, exactly the same desires, we just look at everyone as almost the same being. But equality is embracing everyone's differences, embracing the fact that there are different cultures with different motivations, different desires, different ways of doing things. I mean, if you look in your own families, if you sit around the dinner table and you pick a subject to talk about, if there are 10 people around the table, you're going to have 10 different ideas. So even within our own families, we don't all agree on things. But that doesn't mean that we judge them for it. We understand that everybody has their own path. They have their own understanding. The whole universe has created them in their own ways. Their experiences are, are unique. And so we have to then take a step back and look at them and reflect and understand that we are not just made the same, but we're all equally valid. 
all of our opinions are valid. No matter who it is and, and no matter how much you strongly disagree with someone else, take that compassionate view to look at them and say, I understand why you have the thought that you have. In fact, it's better to sit and try and understand somebody else's opinion than to try to be understood. First, try and understand what they're thinking. Where are they coming from? What are their experiences? And then we can see whether our thoughts are even valid because sometimes you argue about something and you're so sure about something and, and after a while you look back maybe a couple of years later and you think, I can't believe I used to think like that. I can't believe that was me. I can't believe that's what I used to say. So even you don't know how you're going to think in a, in, in, in a few weeks, a few months from now, things change. And so that's all part of this flow of life that nothing is permanent, nothing is fixed. And so we're all here in this universe at the same time, enjoying the same abundances of, of life. And I like to think of, you know, going back to that concept of oneness, it's not just that we want to treat everyone equally. Within the Sikh tradition, one of the, 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 the great traditions uh, is, is seva, which means service, to serve mankind, but not because I'm serving the needy. I don't serve you because you're poor or, or because you're weak or because I have more to give. It's because I can recognize that divine spark within you is the same as the divine spark within me. So service within the Sikh tradition is not serving somebody who's downtrodden, it's actually serving the divine because you're serving that divine energy. And so the, the real mindset is to actually put yourself lower than the one that you're serving, not to put yourself as superior and look down upon them. You actually place them on a pedestal and you say, wow, you are another manifestation of the divine and I get the opportunity to serve you. So that's a beautiful way to to really remove that kind of judgment mentality. And it it goes even beyond equality because it's putting everyone else above you. And it's, and it's just a, a very nice way to kind of humble yourself and to bring yourself into that state of 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 peace and bring yourself into the into the state of 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 going out of your way to help the other i had this question um before we started talking um that i i was trying to answer in my mind um of how does self-love and selflessness go together because both of those are seemingly important things you know like to to honor ourselves and honor our own needs but also to be selfless and i feel like uh, I kind of am starting to understand um, from your perspective how those things could go together. It's not that um, self-love and selflessness are at odds. Both of them are serving the the whole, the divine, the one. Um, so would you say that like self-love and selflessness can be sort of two paths that can go together in, in a sort of service to oneness? Yeah, I feel that self-love requires you to first know the self. If you don't know the self, then you can't have self-love. And most of us, we think we know ourselves. But what we really know are the very superficial layers of the self. So when we talk about self-love, we think about it like I'm going to treat myself today. I'm going to go for a spa retreat I'm going to do all the things that I love. I'm going to meditate. I'm going to go for walks on the beach. 
I'm going to listen to the music that I love, and I'm going to treat myself. And in spiritual traditions, this is not self-love at all. In spiritual traditions, there's almost no such thing as self-love because that's almost what anyone does for their own birthdays, for example. They, they, you know, my children have this thing that on their birthday, nobody's allowed to say anything mean to them because it's their birthday and everyone respects them. Yeah, that's fine. You know, we're not allowed to shout at you. We're not allowed to tell you what to do. It's your special day. And when we grow up, it's almost as though we don't grow out of these things. But self-love is much deeper than that. It is first recognizing, who am I? What is this thing that is walking around right now? And when you realize that I had very little to do with this, I didn't create this body, I didn't, I'm not the reason that I'm born, I don't make my heart beat, I don't make my lungs breathe, when I put food in my mouth, I have no idea what happens, it just manages itself. I put myself to sleep, but I don't know when I'm going to fall asleep. I just fall asleep. I don't know when I'm going to wake up. I just wake up. So this body is this natural phenomenon that's going on. And the same is with the mind. We have no idea what our next thought is going to be. It's just a process, a natural process that's going on. So when you can look at yourself and say, wow, what on earth is this thing that is alive? And then look around and look at nature. What is this? What is this thing called day? What is this thing called a tree? What are these birds? It's, it's, a, it's this crazy miracle that's happening right in front of your eyes, but we, we're too blind to see it. And when you can take a moment to just realize there's something phenomenal happening right now, right in front of our eyes, and I'm in awe of this process. That is then when you start to convert self-love, which is more like selfishness, to divine love. That I cannot do nothing, I can't do anything but be completely in awe and amazed by this thing called life that is within me and all around me. And th then it becomes divine love. And that's really what the spiritual aspirant is, is seeking. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for that beautiful wisdom. A recent study has shown that over 75% of Sikhs say that their life feels stressful or overwhelming. These feelings can develop into depression, alcohol abuse, or even suicide. We believe that Guru Nanak's wisdom can help transform people's lives. Nanak Nam relies on your donation to help create more videos and podcasts like this to educate people all over the world on how to use Guru Nanak's teachings to improve their emotional, mental and spiritual well-being. Set up a monthly donation today and help change someone's life. Visit nanaknam.org forward slash donate. Satpal, I, um, we've covered most of the topics that we talked about um, beforehand. Um, I did see a couple of interesting questions about forgiveness and things like that. Would you have a few more minutes just to, um, to answer? Sure. So one of the questions was um, like how to approach forgiveness. So um, do, I don't, I'm not sure if there's a, a tradition in the Sikh tradition or a word for that or something in, in the Sikh traditions. Um, but what would be your perspective on that, approaching forgiveness? 
It's so interesting that within the Sikh tradition, there's almost no mention of the word forgiveness. And when you look at it, you'd be confused to think, well, why why is that so? Is that so? Surely that's a, a fundamental concept within any spiritual tradition. And the reason that there's no mention of forgiveness is because forgiveness is steeped in duality, which is, I am here, you are over there. I am right, you are wrong. And the Sikh spiritual tradition focuses on losing that sense of duality, that I am the victim and you are the oppressor. And it's totally trying to get you to move away from those ways of thinking, which is that I am one. In fact, I am not one. There is only oneness here. And oneness is sometimes in harmony with another part of oneness, and oneness is sometimes in conflict with another part of oneness. And these things are naturally happening all the time. Can you allow your mind to be free from the prison of yourself? And most of us don't want to do that. We take spirituality and one of the issues with spirituality being taught the way it is right now and it, and it being so prolific all over the world is that it's people are taking bite-sized chunks of the spiritual bits that they like. I like some yoga classes. I'm going to do a little bit of mindfulness. I'm going to do a bit of meditation. But they don't want to fundamentally change who they are. They just like to have these little add-ons like ways that they, they, things that they can put on and take off whenever they feel like it. But if you ask any true spiritual seeker, if you ask any spiritual master, they'll tell you that you can't just pick and choose. You can't cherry pick small bits of, of spirituality. You have to be totally willing to lose this sense of self. And, and, and once you start looking at the spiritual wisdom from that lens, you realize that it doesn't want you to that's why spiritual traditions don't really talk about anger management. They don't really talk about stress management. They don't really talk about forgiveness. What we've done is we've realized that the higher spiritual traditions offer you a way to manage your anger. They, they lead to a more stressless way of life. They lead you to be more compassionate and forgiving. But that's not their purpose. They're not just trying to make you more forgiving and compassionate. They're really trying to reach you to a total state of union. And we need to now start having a more mature approach towards spirituality, which is that if you're really going to take this seriously, you need a spiritual master. You need that real wisdom. You need to now figure out how do you do this. And it's, and that doesn't help with these day-to-day -day, day -day things like somebody did something wrong to me and I don't know how, what to do about it. If you went to your spiritual master and said, I don't know how to forgive them, I want to forgive you know, most spiritual masters will say, well, there are two parts to that sentence, I want to forgive, that you need to get rid of, which is I and want. Get rid of the I, get rid of the want, and then you're left with forgiveness. But we don't want to do that. We want to stay with that sense of I. We want things, we want life to go our way. And so forgiveness is a byproduct of you 
going further and further on your spiritual practice. Don't focus on the forgiveness, focus on removing that sense of separation. And once you do that, forgiveness is then just a byproduct that comes. In fact, you won't even notice. It'll just be something that'll arise within you. Wow. Yeah. Thank you. That's beautiful. Um, and I guess, do, do you have time for one last question from the audience here? Sure. I've got time. Yep. So this uh, Massacane 79 sent in an interesting question, which I think is something that our readers often wonder. Um, do we need to meditate every day or do we just need to be aware of who we are? I like to think of meditation in two ways. There is what I think of as formal meditation and then there's informal meditation. The Sikh tradition says that a true spiritual seeker meditates 24 hours a day. And that's something for us to think about. All human beings are always meditating all the time. What we're meditating on is me, myself, and I. So I go back to the example of when you wake up in the morning. All the thoughts that you think about are about me. I need to do this. I haven't done this yet. I can't wait to do that. So we are all meditating 24 hours a day on me. When you take a formal meditation practice, you learn how to switch off that me thinking. You learn how to quieten the mind. You learn how to be still within yourself so that you can carry that meditative state throughout your day. So as you're having a conversation, can you be in that meditative state? As you're going about your work, as you're cooking and cleaning around the house, can you be in that state of meditation? Can you have that meditative mind? So it's very important that you do a meditative practice, that formal meditation, so that it allows you to have that more informal meditation that just becomes part of who you are. And the the easy way that I like to think about it is like brushing your teeth. Nobody wakes up and says, why do I need to brush my teeth today? I brushed my teeth yesterday. We all understand that every day the mouth gets filthy. Every day that dirt, grime accumulates within the mouth. And so every day you have to go and and wash it out and brush it out. And in the same way, the things happen with our mind. No matter how spiritual you are, every day these kind of ego-based thoughts come back in. Things that you think are important and things that you're frustrated by and things that you wish were different in life. All those thoughts come back. So that formal practice, I like to see it as meditating every day, is simply like brushing my teeth. And I think for me, when I began to understand that, It took away that resistance that I had within myself thinking, oh my God, I have to meditate again. It's so difficult. And so it just became part of something that I realized, you know what? I've seen what it's like when I don't meditate every day. I've seen what my mind does. I've seen how low my mind can take me and how dark my mind can go. And then I realized, oh yeah, it's because I stopped meditating. It's because I lost my practice. So after a while, you just come to a realization that I don't want to go down that route again. I don't want to go down those deep, dark thoughts again. And so you get up the next morning and you start again. And it it really humbles you when you meditate because you realize that you've got a lot of work to do. It doesn't get better. It doesn't get more amazing. It doesn't get like this 
aha moment where you never need to meditate again. Every day, that mind needs to be contained. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you so much for this beautiful wisdom that you've shared in this interview today. Um, for uh, anybody listening, do you, how, would, how can people connect with more of your wisdom? And I saw one comment of somebody asking if, if you did anything in person in the UK that they could join. Uh, how can people connect with you that way? So I work for an organization that I founded called Nanak Nam. We've been running for about 10 years and we put all of this wisdom completely free online on our YouTube channel. Um, so anybody can go to YouTube and search for Nanak Nam. Uh, which is also the name of our Instagram handle. And we also run a number of free courses online. So we're a nonprofit organization. We don't charge for anything. And so we're now encouraging more and more people rather than me going and doing live events. We're actually encouraging people to go take our courses and we want you to do it as a group. So when if you feel like you want to learn from this wisdom more, we've realized that you only learn so much from going and attending one lecture. You learn a lot more from lifelong learning, from actually being around other spiritual people, learning the wisdom, discussing it and analyzing it in your group. So we encourage more and more people to go and take our group learning courses. And that's available on a website called livingwithwisdom.org. And you can go there and download some of our free courses as well. Okay, great. Thank you. If you want to read the full article, it's going to be in the beautiful uh, love issue, which is uh, we, we did this year, we did the, um, the health issue, starting with the individual and then the earth issue uh, in the spring, um, in the, uh, the summer, which was expanding the sense of self beyond the individual and then the universe issue, expanding the sense of self to the cosmos and everything that exists and what could be bigger than the universe to me, only love. So I'm very excited for the love issue that's coming out and for this beautiful interview with Satpal Singh to be featured in, uh, in this upcoming love issue. So um, if you're interested, check out meditationmag.com. Thank you. Thank you, Paul, And thank you, everyone, for being here today. We really appreciate your time and your wisdom and bringing this, like you said, this, this higher wisdom from the oneness uh, into this beautiful conversation. Thank you so much. It's been my pleasure. Thank you. Hi, this is Satpal. Thank you so much for listening to our podcast. Thousands of people have already started their online journey to higher wisdom. Become a part of our growing community and try our free courses today. Visit livingwithwisdom.org.